Will you join me for prayer? Holy and gracious Father, we thank and praise you that you are willing to touch the dead and that you are willing to resurrect the dead. And so we ask, gracious Father, that at this time that you would speak to us, speak to the dead parts in us, that we might truly live. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. What does God's compassion look like? What does it look like? Yeah, Daryl, you can turn that on. <laughs> what does God's compassion look like? That's the question for us. That's the question in our reading from Luke chapter 7. In fact, when reading the Gospel of Luke chapter 7, or Gospel of Luke, there are three places where we see Christ's compassion. We hear about Christ's compassion in three places. One, in the resurrecting of the dead boy. The second is the Good Samaritan. And the third one is the prodigal son, where the father has compassion for his son. And so the question I have to ask you this morning is, what does God's compassion look like? What does Jesus' compassion look like? Well, in our reading from Luke 7, we hear about a widow, a widow who lost her only son. This is important, important facts to get inside our minds, because being a widow and being sonless means that she has no position in society. She is vulnerable. She is exposed. She has no hope of a future. She has no social security to draw from. She has no welfare. She has no voice. She is, at this point, nothing. No one should look at her. No one deals with her. No one would care for her. She does not exist. But there is one who sees her. Jesus sees her. Jesus truly sees her. And we read these words from Luke chapter 7, starting with verse 13. When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her. That's the word compassion. And he said, don't cry. Then he went up and touched the coffin, and those carrying it stood still. Jesus said, young man, I say to you, get up, arise. The dead man sat up and began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. Now, this passage is a passage we should all memorize because it's filled with God's goodness and grace. Every phrase is important. We see the words, when the Lord saw her. The Lord. This is the first place in the Gospel of Luke where Jesus is referred to as the Lord. And I got an amen from the fans up there. <clears throat> he's being the Lord as he's seen this woman. This vulnerable woman, this woman that doesn't exist. Jesus is being the Lord, the God Almighty when he's seen her, the lowly. Even more, the next thing it says is his heart went out to her. Now, most of us, when we hear those words, his heart went out to her, we think of something like a Hallmark card. His heart went out to her. He was sympathetic. We might read these words and, and think of that card that has a flower on the front, and inside you open it up and it says, I'm sorry for your loss. My heart goes out to you. But that's not how this word works. 
This word literally means that everything inside of Jesus, his guts, his heart, everything, his emotions were literally coming out of him. He was visibly shaken. All of his emotions, everything inside of him is coming out, almost like vomiting out of him because he's so emotional when he's looking at this woman. He is moved, deeply moved. I think to understand this kind of compassion, you might think of the movie A Little Princess. I don't know if any of you have ever seen that movie. It came out in 1995. It's based on the 1904 children's novel, A Little Princess. And because I'm the father of three girls, I own all the princess movies. And I have to watch them over and over and over. And if they're funny, I have to rewind it and watch it again. And so I know all the princess movies. I even know them by name now. I can recognize the different ones. That's a whole different sermon. <laughs> but in this movie, Sarah, the main character, is a girl who's at boarding school because her dad went off, who went off to a war. And then Sarah received the words, the news that her dad died. Well, that was a mistake. The dad had a fever, got amnesia, didn't know who he was. But Sarah thought he was dead. The world thought he was dead. And the dad just didn't know who he was. And so Sarah's in this boarding school, and she's right next to her in this house is her dad. But they don't know each other. She doesn't know that he's there. He's seen her but doesn't recognize her. And it culminates at the very end of the movie when Sarah is blamed for stealing something. And she runs into this house and she sees her dad. <laughs> and she cries out to him, but he doesn't recognize her. And the police come to take her away, and she's yelling, Dad, Dad. And at that moment, all his memories come back. And at that moment, you just hear him go, Sarah! And he breaks through the crowd <laughs> to grab his daughter. When it says that Jesus' heart went out of him, this is not a Hallmark card. This is not his sympathy or pity. This is everything within the Lord of the universe, his heart spilling out for this woman that no one wants, no one sees, that has no position in society. And it's the Lord's heart who goes out to her. Well, Jesus isn't done. The next thing we see that happens is moved by his great compassion. Jesus goes and he touches the coffin. Why is this important? Because if you know the Old Testament, you know that for a priest or anyone to touch a coffin is to defile themselves, to become ritually unclean. In fact, Leviticus 21, 1 and 2 says, The Lord said to Moses, Speak to the priests, the son of Aaron, and say to them, A priest must not touch a dead person in any way, lest he makes himself ceremonially unclean for any of his people, 
for any of his people who die, except for a close relative such as his mother or father, his son or daughter or brother. In other words, if you're a priest, you do not touch a dead person. You have to take care of your family. That's different. You'll be, you'll be ceremonially unclean for a while. You can purify yourself, but you don't touch a dead person. But what do we read in this passage? Jesus Christ, moved by compassion, moved deeply, touches something that's unclean, puts his hand on the coffin, willing to become unclean to do a miracle. Now, this isn't the first time. This isn't the only time when we see Jesus move in this way. A leper, he's willing to touch, risk getting leprosy. Why? To heal her or heal him. Or a lowly person, he's willing to touch, to touch them, to heal them. In this case, he touches what is unclean. But the beautiful thing is Jesus doesn't get defiled by this. He simply makes the dead alive. But let's think about this for a little bit more because there's so much gospel truth in here. That dead boy or that dead young man, has he decided anything for Jesus? No, he's dead. Does he know who Jesus is? Maybe. Maybe not. Did he make his altar call for Jesus? No. He's dead. He's not asking Jesus into his heart. He's not saying the Lord's Prayer. He's not being religious. But Jesus, in his compassion, in his mercy, in his grace, is reaching into that which is dead, reaching into that which has no faith, reaching into that which is lost, and touching it and resurrecting it, and speaking a word to it. He says to this boy, get up, arise from the dead. That's the grace of God. Not that we choose God, but that God chooses us. Not that we have loved God, but God has loved us. Not that we have earned life, but God has given us life. This is a picture of God's grace, where God Almighty, filled with compassion, reaches into that which is dirty, reaches into that which is dead, touches it, grabs it, speaks a word into it. And life occurs. Truly, Peter is right when he said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And Jesus' flesh and blood did not reveal that to you. picture of grace. And yet, God's grace doesn't end there. For what does Jesus do after he heals this boy? He simply gives the boy back to his mother. He says, be a son. That's it. Not, be my disciple and follow me. Not, go tell the ends of the earth, though I bet he did. He simply was raised to carry out his vocation as son. And this is so important, to care for his mom, to be a neighbor. In this, he's serving God. He doesn't look any holier. He hasn't done any deeds. Instead, God has raised him and simply said, be a son. That's it. 
God's grace. Why? Because God cares for mothers and cares for children and says, do your job. And in doing your job, you are holy. You are honoring me. You are loving my neighbor. God's grace. This is the compassion of God. That God Almighty reaches down, sees that who is unnoticeable, touches the dead, raises the dead, and gives eternal life. The compassion of Jesus. Oh, we need to know this. Because I think all of us look around at this world and we see the suffering of this world and we go, does God care? How can he care? There's so much suffering. The problem and the answer to the question of God caring in the midst of suffering isn't that God takes away suffering. We live in a sinful world. We sin. Sinners do things to us. We suffer. It shouldn't surprise us that there's suffering in this world. The great surprise, though, is that God Almighty is willing to enter into that suffering, willing to suffer, willing to be moved deeply. That's the great surprise. God is not in the distance, wherever that song goes. God comes down, touches the dead, enters into lowly places. That's the surprise. That's the compassion. Confirmation students, this is now for you, so I'm turning here. Gabby, Ruth, Tiffany, Chris, Sheridan, Becca, and Aaron. I want to tell you that God has had compassion on you. When you were a child, for most of you, when you were too little to even know any better, your parents brought you to the waters of holy baptism. And there God began to do a work in your life. Now I must tell you, being a parent, and I'm a pastor and I know about these things a little bit, that all parents, when they bring their children to be baptized, are vulnerable. They sit there and they wonder, what's he going to turn out like? How's she going to grow up? And they come into church, okay, and they probably haven't slept a lot, so they're tired on this day. Even more, all their family members are there, and so they're a little nervous. And they come forward, and they have to stand before the whole church, which freaks them out. I'm the pastor. I've done this in my own life, and I was freaked out. They're emotional from all over this. <laughs> and they carry you to the baptismal fount with sponsors, godparents. I know one of your godparents is here today from San, from San Francisco, flew down. They brought you in front of a church, not exactly knowing what was going to happen, with great plans for your future. And there, God in his compassion enters into the water and begins to do a work. God in his compassion enters into that water and says, Young one, arise. You are mine. But God isn't done then. 
God keeps working through friends and Sunday school teachers, through your parents. I know you might doubt that at times, but God works with his compassion, teaching you more about him. And then the Lord's Supper, which you'll be soon receiving. God in his compassion touches the bread and the wine in order to touch you, in order that you might hear the words that he is for you, that your sins are forgiven. Even more, now that you're confirmed, you become instruments of God's compassion. You are used in this church. You read scripture. You usher. You operate the soundboard. You tell your friends about Jesus. You invite them to church as God's instruments of compassion so that they too might hear the good news and believe. And then when you're older, much older, you'll have children. (laughs) Again, much older. For my daughter, she has to be 100, but that's... But when you're older, you will bring your children, and you will be filled with the same emotions that your parents were, and you'll bring them forward. And there in the waters of holy baptism, God will touch them too in his compassion, in his love. God loves you. I know you know that. and I know you'll know that forever. God loves you. He has touched you. You are his. He has said, child, arise, you are mine. God loves you as well, in Jesus Christ. Amen.